think about the Lord. Amen. God bless you all this evening. Hope you come expecting. We have a guest speaker, Brother Andrew Dodd. Amen. Let's just sing this verse and chorus a few times. Let's just worship him this evening. Amen. When I think about the Lord, how he said.
as we go to prayer, I wonder if we can sing worship the Lord, worship the Lord. We have no prayer requests this evening, if we can stand. Amen. But if you have a need, it's lifted before the Lord as we sing this song. Brother Darren, could I ask you to open up the service in a word of prayer this morning? God will not reject your prayers. Amen. Oh, God will not reject your prayers.
Sister Monique, 
our sister Vandy, just a different prayer request. Brother Vandy. Let's bow our heads. How blessed we are tonight, Father, that we have breath within our lungs and we have strength, Lord Jesus, to worship you and to praise you. Father, that you've done so many great things in our midst, Father, why would you stop now? Why would you limit yourself now, dear God? But you're the almighty God that's here to move on our behalf, Father, behalf of the needs, Lord Jesus, that are on our hearts, dear God. You're the God that nothing's too far for you to reach, Lord Jesus. Nothing's too deep. Nothing's too high, Father. But your hand, Lord God, can reach down and lift up a soul, lift up a body, dear God, and bring restoration, Lord Jesus. For restoration power, dear God, has been unleashed in this day, dear God, to your bride. Lord Jesus, we have many needs, Lord Jesus, spiritual needs, physical needs, Father. But we're so thankful that we serve a God of unlimited resources. Lord Jesus, no matter what the need is, Father, we're just going to worship you, we're going to praise you, Father, because we know the answer is on its way, Lord. Lord, the word, the song said, have patience. We have patience because we know that we serve the God of the impossible. We serve the God of miracles. We serve the God who just begins when science, when doctors come to their end, dear God, where they have nowhere else to go to, Father. That's where you step in, Lord Jesus. As the prophet said, when the tree of knowledge goes as far as it can, step over onto the tree of life, dear God. And we're doing that, Father. We're taking you at your word tonight, Lord. Father, we're taking you at your word for healing, Father. For healing is within the body. Healing is for our sister Vandy, dear God. The doctors don't give her any hope, Father. Giving her only a month or two to live. But dear God, that's when you step in. When you're there all the time, dear God, you've never left her side, Lord Jesus. But you're just waiting, dear God, for the opportune time for you to glorify yourself in this situation. So Lord God, we pray that you'll give Sister Vandy full recovery, dear God, full restoration, dear God, of all of her body, all of her organs, Lord Jesus, all of her strength, all of her wit, all of her mind, dear God. Lord, nothing lacking, Heavenly Father. It's not too hard for you, dear God. Oh, Lord, we're asking, Father, that only the King of glory can provide. We receive it tonight, Lord God, on Sister Vandy's behalf. We receive it for Sister Monique's behalf, dear God. We're not going to forget these ones, dear God. Soldiers of the cross that are down. How the devil has beat them, dear God. But we're here to pick them up, Father. We're here to blend our faith with theirs, dear God. That you would move on the scene. That you would go to their hospital room. That you would go to their bedroom. Wherever they're at, dear God. Wherever they need you are, Lord Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit go to them, Father. Visit their address, Lord God. Quicken the faith of healing within their bodies, Lord. And cause their bodies to become subject unto their confession, Lord. Nothing's too hard for you, Father. And we're not going to give up, Lord Jesus, but we're just going to continue to press the battle, continue believing, Lord Jesus. There's nothing to turn back to, Father. This world is corrupted. It's falling apart. Dear God, the only thing for us is glory, dear God, and we're pressing on towards it, Lord. So, Father, tonight... Lord God, we're asking that you will move, Lord Jesus, through the preaching of your word. 
Dear God, you've had Brother Andrew in mind for this service tonight, and you knew who would be here tonight, Lord Jesus. So anoint both the speaker, Father, anoint the hearer, Lord. Anoint the worshipers, dear God, as we rise up and praise you and thank you for your goodness, Father. Anoint the musicians, Lord. Anoint for the Anthony as he continues to lead us, Lord. We're so desiring, dear God, that you would just move in our midst tonight, Father. Just a smaller group here tonight, dear God, but numbers don't matter to you. Lord Jesus, you can slay that devil where it's one or 10,000, Lord. So, Father, we give you ourselves tonight. Lord Jesus, waiting upon you to see what you're going to do in our midst tonight, Lord. See what great things you're going to accomplish in our lives. Lord Jesus, just remembering those that are away, Lord, over spring break, coming home soon. Lord God, grant them traveling mercies. Keep them safe, Father. We just ask, dear God, that you would take this service under your divine care and lead us, Father, in truth and give us revelation, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. have your seats. Brother Jonas has a special for us as you come, Brother Jonas. Um, we just want to welcome all those who are visiting with us. Those who are on the internet, phone hookups, we ask that the Lord will speak to you this evening. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jonas. bless you tonight. It's good to be in his presence, isn't it? Amen. The song has been on my heart for quite a while now, and I've been debating, should I sing it, should I not sing it? And I thought, well, I probably won't. And uh, then Brother Murphy spoke on Sunday and spoke about the holiest of holies, and that's pretty much all this song is, about the holiest of holies, and to enter into his presence and come before him clean, which is only possible through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So if you know the song, please enter in. It's a simple song, but may it be a blessing to you. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the holy of holies. Take the cold. Cleanse my lips, here I am. And take me past the outer courts Into thy holy place Past the brazen altar 
Lord, I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people And the priests who sing your praise Lord, I hunger and thirst for your righteousness And it's only found in one place Take me into of holies is the Holy Ghost himself the mighty presence of Jehovah oh and I'm a prisoner of love Lord help me see Christ in me the capstone of love so take me Is that your desire tonight? Did you come for a meeting with God? That's why we're here. Not to see or be seen, but we've come for a meeting to God with God. Lord, take me into the Holy of Holies. Lead us, brother. And take me into the
That's our desire tonight. Amen. Let's, you could just play that, brother. Keep playing that. And, you know, we have a special speaker tonight, and we'll ask Brother Andrew if he'll come. And uh, Brother Andrew uh, came here to fellowship with his dad for a couple days, and uh, uh, Brother Tom felt it would be a good idea to have him preach. I happen to agree. And uh, now, not just because he's my son, but every time I go to Edmonton, he's from End, End Time Message Tabernacle in Edmonton, and he assists Brother Ed Hammermeister there, who's the pastor. And every time I go there, all I hear from the people is, Brother Tim, your son is just a blessing. He's, he's just a real refreshing, and he's just an encouragement. And I've yet to, I think I've yet to hear one bad statement about my son, and it's probably because I already know the other side. But he's been a blessing, and uh, I know you're going to get a blessing tonight. My only regret is that he's in Edmonton and I'm here. And I really wish I could be in more of his services. I asked him today, I said, how much do you preach up there? And he told me, and I said, well, actually, you preach more than anybody preaches here as an individual. So there's certainly no shortage of, uh, no shortage of experience there. But, you know, if you've come tonight... It's not just to hear Andrew Dodd, I trust. Not just to hear Brother Tim's son. Maybe after this service, it'll be, oh, that's Brother Andrew's dad. You know. And, uh, but you know, we've come to be in the Holy of Holies. Let's just bow our hearts before the Lord as we turn the service over to Andrew and just ask God to have his way. Lord, take me into the holiest of holies. Take me in to the Holy of Holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. tonight father not to see any particular men as I was sitting in the back office Lord just thinking there's been great men that have stood behind this desk Lord even the pastor Lord that pastored for many years of this assembly now the current pastor Lord both great men that have ministered and labored here with your sheep for years Lord and who am I but father you're the same yesterday today and forever Lord, that the vessel, Lord, is but badger skins. Lord, we thank you for what you've done and before through men of God. But we ask tonight, Lord, as, as I set and see the young men that stand behind me, Lord, and play instruments, the ones that would sing, the ones that set before me now. Father, fill us again with the Holy Ghost, we pray. 
Lord, as only you can do. Men cannot do that, Lord. But, Father, only you can. So we bring the sacrifices of our praises to you. And we ask, Lord Jesus, they be acceptable in your eyes, in your ears, and a a sweet savor unto your nostrils, Lord. That, Father, you would be pleased to come and dwell in our midst. Not just in our midst, Father, but dwell in our hearts, Lord, in the midst of each individual, Father. We pray, Lord, and we commit this service now to you. Pray you to just bless the opening of the word and the reading of it and the hearing of it also. We give it into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, musicians. God bless you. God bless you. Let's take our Bibles to turn to the book of 2 Corinthians together. Consider it such a grand honor to be here with all of you this evening. And I truly am not sufficient to break the bread of life, but it's not me, it's Christ. I trust you came to see him and him glorified. Amen. I want to take a small subject tonight. I ministered, uh, I'll say, a variety of it on Sunday night back home. But the more I think on it, the more it changes. And you ask any minister, the more he ponders on something, the more it opens and just comes more alive and more real. So I trust it will be a blessing to you. And I'm so thankful to each one that would come. God bless you, the visitors and those that came. And especially here to see my sister. God bless you. Good to see you. That one too. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Actually, let's back up to verse 3. <clears throat> Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says it this way. For though we walk in the flesh. Amen. I'm not one that likes to hear the sound of my own voice. So if you can turn the monitors up here down a little bit, that'd be great. Thank you. Since for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to take particular notice of that. It says bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all the disobedience to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled do ye look on things after the outward appearance if any man trusts to himself that he is Christ let him of himself think this again that as he is Christ even so are we Christ Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have the comfort of your seats. Amen. And I just want to take and maybe just start out tonight as we look maybe at verse 7 first as, as Paul would begin to write and as he would, my Bible classifies this chapter as Paul defending his ministry, but I, I certainly don't see it that way. But as Paul begins to write and he begins to talk about and say, do you look on things after the outward appearance? How do you view things? He's asking the Corinthian church a question, and I would even pose the question tonight to you. What do we look on 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 others? As, As eternal life really is to look on the things of others, is to live for others. Amen. And the Bible would talk about how we, we ought not to, to seek after our own things, but we ought to look on the things of others and look after our brothers. Are you your brother's keeper? And we would, the Bible would begin to teach these things, which I'll say goes completely against the ways of the world today. 
The ways of the world today is very inclusive. And don't, don't ever say anything against anybody else. Just be accepting of everybody. And it doesn't matter where they're at. Don't call sin, sin. Just say everybody's fine and everything's okay. But the Bible doesn't teach it that way. Amen. It's, it, it teaches to stand up for what's right. And he'd even say, having in readiness to revenge all disobedience. And sometimes we get caught up in that moment where we just want to revenge everybody. How dare you do that? But Jesus turns it around and says, before you can remove the beam in your brother's eye or the moat, you got to look at the beam in your own eye and you got to make sure you're not confused within yourself and thinking something that's wrong when really your brother's right. And so you got to make sure, he says, but when your obedience is fulfilled, then you can revenge all disobedience. Then you have a right to speak when you're being obedient. Then you have a right to go to your brother and say, what you're doing maybe isn't right and bring them back into through love. But in that, Paul would begin to say, if any man trusted himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again. So he begins to go back into what is the... uh, uh, a private conversation. Your thoughts, thank the Lord, are not known to those around you. Your words are when you speak. But what you're thinking is a private thing. And he says, he's not talking about if you, if you say you're of Christ, maybe you ought to have a different testimony. He says, what about your thoughts here? If you think in yourself, if you're presuming within yourself, I'm of Christ, he begins to lay out a ruler and say, look at us. Look at, consider us as well because we are of Christ. So Paul's laying out saying, I am the anointed word for the day. I'm the messenger to the day. If you think you're of Christ, how do you line up to what God's doing today? Is what he's beginning to lay out to the people. And in before that, he lays in there and says, bring into captivity every thought to the to captivity of uh, to obedience of Christ and Christ is it doesn't say to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ it says to the obedience of Christ which Christ is the anointed one amen and then we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the anointed one in each day but he puts it and writes it this way so no one would be confused to say I just have to abide by four gospels and we're going to be okay as long as I'm thinking whatever the four gospels say but rather the anointed word for your day that's what you need to bring your thoughts into captivity to and into obedience with not just your words and not just the outward man because that's what everyone else looks on but God looks on the heart of the individual and he sees our thoughts and even the thoughts of our heart because he says as a man thinketh in his heart so is he amen the devil can throw a lot of thoughts in our minds that's the greatest battle ever fought is in our minds where there's a battle and a war going on a war is not a war with just one side it takes two sides to have a war to have a battle therefore yes there's God's thoughts in there but there's also the devil's thoughts in there Amen. And if I am claiming to be and thinking of myself that I am a born-again son of God, then I have no right to think my own thoughts. Because I ought to bring them into captivity of the anointed word for my day. Therefore, I don't have a right to go around and say, well, Andrew thinks, well, Andrew thinks, well, Andrew. No, it's what does the Lord have to say about this? We ought to bring it subject to the message of the hour to be able to say, Lord, what's your thoughts concerning this issue? Whether it be something so great as church order or something so simple as should a sister wear makeup, we ought to take it back to the Word of God and say, Lord, what do you have to say about it before my own thoughts? Amen. And and, and it's such an important subject today uh, to, to preach on the thought life. 
the thought life of every individual because if you take what Brother Branham would say and he'd say it in one place where we've, go beyond, we've gone beyond the I age. He says, if it was the hand age, you see a hand. If it was the foot age, it'd be the foot. But, there, but he came in his day, the eye age. The eyes are the seeing. And Brother Branham is a prophet that is a seer. And that was what God was doing in Brother Branham's day was he was showing that this is the eye age and where he's building up the body of Christ that we're now seeing what God has and all the mystery of God has been revealed. But because the mystery has been revealed doesn't mean it's been revelation to everybody. That means God's pulled the cover off as he preached and said it's the mighty God unveiled before us, but it has to become a personal revelation to every single individual. And I'll say it this way, an individual cannot receive revelation when your thoughts are scattered. When your mind is all over the place and you've got everything else on your mind and you come into the presence of God and it just seems like you can't receive anything from God. Why? Because your thoughts are on tomorrow, your thoughts are on today, your thoughts are on the past and everything going on. But rather we ought to take our thoughts and bring them captivity to the word of God and say, Lord, what do you have for me tonight? What are you interested in giving to me? Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to try and slow down at some point. And I know, I wave my hands around like my dad. Thank you. We've pointed that out. God bless you. I appreciate your acute awareness of how I'm like him. But our gifts are different. Praise God. Amen. Some of us have greater gifts and some of us have lesser gifts, and I'll let you figure out whose is whose. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 would write it this way. It said, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Say, Amen. That's exactly right. But the next verse says, but I say, have they not heard? In other words, Paul begins to notice something. Faith comes by hearing. Where's the faith? Did they not hear? And he says, yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. They say, yes, there's a, there's a sound. The ministry has ministered. The prophet has spoken. The, the prophets of the Old Testament have spoken. Jesus came and spoke. There's been a sound go forth. But in verse 17, a sound is not what he's talking about. He's talking about being able to receive what the word was sent to do. Faith comes by hearing, by receiving, not just a, a mental sound, but rather bringing yourself into line with the words that you're hearing. Allowing those words to become your thoughts. Amen. And Brother Branham would even, uh, yeah, Brother Branham would talk about in the Laodicean church age, the age that we're living in, how he would say the age is wretched. But the Bible talks about that wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. And it says, and the word comes from two Greek words, which means endure and trial. But it has nothing to do with the trials that come of a true Christian of God because it, he describes a Christian in trial as blessed. And his attribute or his attitude one of joy, whereas this description is phrased as wretched and miserable. There's a difference in attitude. As I'm, I'm speaking tonight, I'm, my title tonight is, is Your Attitude Towards the Anointed Word. 
your attitude towards the anointed word. And, I, and, I, and as, as, as Brother Branham begins to lay it in here and say, listen, there's a wretched attribute to this age that the people are under great burden and enduring great trial, but to them it's become wretched. To the Christian that's, that's not walking under his own yoke, but he's taking the yoke of Jesus Christ, his trials consider him to be blessed. But he says in the current age, he says, listen how strange it is, the age of plenty. Amen. In the age of progress, in this age of abundance, how can there be trials? Say, well, now it is strange, but it is, it is the age of plenty and opportunity, work, and so many things to, to give us pleasure. Suddenly, we find mental illness takes such a toll as an alarm to the nation. In an age when there's so much to give you pleasure, so much that you can just press start, and it'll cook your meal for you. So much so, I was... With the razor in Hawaii. I was in Hawaii. I was in Kauai not long ago. And they got chickens everywhere. There's chickens everywhere. We went and climbed a mountain. We got to the top of the mountain. You know what was up the top of the mountain? A chicken. I know this is going on the internet, but I, I've never been so tempted to throw a chicken off a cliff and see if it could fly. <laughs> I didn't. I restrained myself. But I really want to know if it could fly. But up way up there was a chicken. So I started asking some of the locals, you got all these chickens around. Why, like, why don't you guys eat them? They're just wild chickens. Like, what's going on? They said, yes, we could. Or we can go down to Costco. And for eight bucks, buy a chicken cooked. Or we can run after one, catch it, strip it down of all the feathers, gut the thing, and get it all cooked up and give it to mama. And she put it in the stove. And we wait an hour and a half for however long it takes for cooked chicken to cook. My wife knows that. I don't. But however long it takes, and she finally gets it. Here's the chicken. We said, Costco has them ready. What an age to live in. But yet mental illness has suddenly swept over the nation. Why? Because the thoughts of individuals, because Satan knows. He's had 6,000 years to perfect his tactics and how to, 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 to destroy the anointed bride for that day. He knows exactly how to come against the bride, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen? So no matter how he comes against it, when, this, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God always raises up a standard. And we're thankful for that. But he has this way of going about it because he knows if your thoughts are scattered... God can't give you the revelation of who you are. And if you ever catch the revelation of who you are, you're going to get out of here. It's that simple. So he's trying to make sure you never get that revelation. So if he can take your thoughts and keep it on work and keep it on tomorrow and keep it on the future, keep it on marriage, keep it on children and everything else that's going on, then he knows you're never going to have time to sit down and meditate on the word of God. When David was a man that realized at a very young age, there's something about just getting aside. There's something about just meditating and just thinking on the Word of God and getting my thoughts aligned with the Word of God. David would do this over and over until he'd just be strumming a psalm and all of a sudden it would just begin to come out of him. Oh, my bones, they stare at me. Where'd that come from? And maybe you stop and go, my bones are fine. But he was thinking on the Lord. Yes. And what began to come out? Prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. Words that weren't his words begin to come forth from his mouth. 
And he began to pen things down. Isaiah was known that he would ponder upon the word of God and he would get himself aside and he, he even got himself to a point in prayer wondering what to do about this Uzziah where finally he saw a vision. And in that vision he said, you know, the angel come down, you, you sang about it uh, uh, tonight about take me into the holies of holies, take the coal of fire, take the tongs and touch my lips, Lord. Here am I, send me. And we look at those things. And how did those things come to pass? It wasn't just a man walking down the street and one day, boom, bursts into vision. It was a man that was meditating upon the word of God. He was thinking upon the word of God. And as he thought upon it, one day he began to pen it down and go, behold, a virgin shall conceive. And all the other ministers looked around and went, you were what? What's wrong with you, man? You're speaking crazy things. He's, I don't understand it. I just was thinking about the Lord, and I was thinking about the coming Messiah. And as I just began to ponder upon it, just began to come out of my mouth, and I couldn't stop it. So write it down. Someone's going to have to know about it. 700 years later, a virgin conceived. But let me tell you about her. She was just wandering around doing what little girls do. 17-year-old girl, sorry. I'm getting old if I'm calling them little at 17. God help me. No, she wasn't just wandering around, playing, looking, and she was planning a wedding. But yet the wedding wasn't the main thing on her mind. Oh boy, that's a hard one. Sisters, I don't know if there's any engaged sisters here, but we get that way as people. Something going on in our lives, it becomes the main pursuit. Especially something like marriage. Or a child coming. You get a sister that's pregnant with child. Everything's about that child. You know, that's not a bad thing. That's, a, that's an exciting time. You get a young man who's got school and he's got college going on and everything's just pouring into that and the career choices that are coming out. And that's, that becomes his thoughts to the point where God can't even speak to him anymore. When God said, I just want to take some, would you take a little bit of time with me? Put aside a little bit of time to meditate upon the word, to get along with God. You'll, you'll never regret that. Amen. It'll help you even in your schoolwork. It'll help you in what you're doing. It'll help you raise that child right that you're having. It'll help you on your marriage day when you're there and renewing your vows. It'll invite Jesus Christ into your midst. But I want to say, Brother Branham says in the message, Blasphemous Names, he says the biggest part of our faith is mental faith. The biggest part of our faith is mental faith. Because Jesus would talk about the faith, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed. About that size, just tiny little seed, that's not mental faith. That's real soul faith. But now he says the biggest part of our faith is mental faith. By hearing the word, it brings us to a mental recognition of God. Not a mental conception, a mental recognition of God. In other words, you've got to get your mind off of the things of the world onto Jesus Christ so that when he moves, you have the ability to recognize it. You have the ability when the anointed word comes forth, you recognize that's God. Amen. It takes that. You have to have that in your mind because God can't drop it down in your soul because a new birth is a personal revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. But you can't get that unless you first recognize that's Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We know it in the, in the, in the 
uh, where Paul would talk about in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8 where he talks about whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think. Think. Not just talk about. Think on these things. He goes on in blasphemous names. He says, and if this coming from above, he says, oh, brother, if this mental faith ever strikes this, there's a godly spiritual faith, then what does that faith do? That faith recognizes only the word. No matter what anything else says, it'll only recognize the word. Because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word is still God. So how could this down in my soul recognize the word and it because, and, and Brother Brennan would take the scripture and say, because in the beginning, because it's a predestinated seed. It's the only ones that can receive that word down into the soul and get a new birth. It's for the bride, the predestinated bride of Jesus Christ. Oh, praise be to God. He says, and when the word itself is poured into our faith, our mental faith becomes spiritual revelation. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2 would write, and I'm moving way slower than I wanted to. It says, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. He says, and let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Now he specifies that. And he says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, see here's what that mind did, made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The mind that was in Christ, that thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But that mind didn't get puffed up in its own self. Though it said it's not robbery to be equal with God, it humbled itself to the lowest place. Let that mind, let those thoughts be in you. I want to just take an example for a couple of minutes and go over here to Matthew chapter 16. You don't have to turn with me to it, but in Matthew chapter 16, we find um, Peter. Many of us have, know this story because we believe it and we repeat it and we preach on it so often. How that Peter had, it was revealed to him of the Father who Jesus was. And in verse, um, in chapter 16, it starts out with, they, they begin to go out on a, on a, on a ship. And as they're, they're going out on a ship, they realize, the disciples realize, I didn't bring any bread. And Jesus begins to say to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And oh my, they had a carnal thought. He's telling us about leaven. Because we didn't take any bread. And Jesus says, no, that's not what I'm talking about. 
I want you to just take this for a moment because here's Peter in the midst of all this, these ups and downs. As it starts out that way and as they come and, 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 and they come to the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he asks his disciples, whom do men say that I the son of man am? And they begin to answer, some say this and some say that. But he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter gets a, speaks out and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Something overcame him. And he began to speak a thought that wasn't his thought. Because it was God had put that thought in his mind. Because Jesus, we had said to him, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. And you know the scripture and how G Peter perhaps will get a little puffed up in himself because this at this point was just a mental thought. This had not dropped down into his heart yet because if he had a revelation of who Jesus Christ was, he would have been born again. But it was not yet sent. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we find here that Peter, he gets this thought, and he's up on top of the mountain thinking, praise God, I got something. I really got it. God revealed this to me. This is absolutely phenomenal. This is wonderful. And the very next scripture comes along, and he goes, and Jesus begins to talk and say, you know, I'm going to be killed. They're going to take me. They're going to kill me. But on the third day, I'll raise again. And Peter just grabs a hold of him and says, far be it from you. This thing will never happen to you. He's still way up on the mountain over here. He said, I know who you are. God revealed it to me. You're the son of the living God. You will never die. And I got this. And Peter, Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what spirit's talking through you. And here's a man with a mental faith. He's way up and then crashing down. Hitting rock bottom. And going, oh, man. And Jesus begins to speak. He begins to say, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Deny his own thoughts. Let him take up his cross and follow me. And Peter begins to think on these things. And a few days later, they go up. And what do we find in Matthew chapter 17? Mount Transfiguration. Who does Jesus take with him? Peter, James, and John. And he takes them up there, and they go up on the mountain, and Peter's going, I got another great revelation. Praise God, we're back up on the mountain again. And his mental conception said, let's make three altars. One for Elijah, one for Jesus, one for Moses. We're going to have a great time. This is phenomenal. And he's coming down. And we find a few days later, if you go home and read this later, because I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. But as he, as he goes on down, it's a few days goes by. And, and, and this man brings his son to Jesus and says, your disciples, Peter, couldn't cast him out. Peter's going, oh, oh, now I'm humbled again. I was just up on the mountain. He just showed me himself glorified, and he told me, no, this isn't what it's all about. And now I come down, and I prayed for this young boy, and I couldn't do it. And Jesus just says, oh, you have little faith. This kind comes not out but by prayer and fasting. I think, oh, Peter's just is down in the dumps again. And then a few verses later, we get a few verses down the road, and it's Jesus talking to Peter. And he says, hey, Peter, the hook you keep in your pocket. Go take it, throw it in the river. And the first fish you catch, pull it out, look at its mouth, and in there is going to be a coin. Go pay yours and mine taxes. Amen. Peter's going, why me? Why me? That's what a mental faith will do to you. Up. And down. And up. And down. And Peter got so big on himself that in, that in chapter 18, they start asking Jesus, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom? 
Surely it's me, says Peter. John thought, well, maybe it's me. I'm the beloved. Peter thought, but I, I'm the one that went and caught the fish and it had the right in its mouth. And I was there on the mountain and I was here and I had this revelation. Surely I'm the greatest one. And Jesus just picks up a little child. I said, Except you become like one of these. Why? Because what thoughts of their own does a little child have? A little child does what mom and dad tells them to do. The thoughts they have are what's pleasing to daddy. What can I do, dad? How can I please you? How can I? Dad says, just go clean your room. Okay. I don't want to clean my room. Oh, this is how we're going to do it. And it's just whatever daddy says, whatever mommy says, until they start to get a little older, get a little attitude. But the rod will drive it far from them. We still believe in that, right? All right. But now, Jesus takes that little one and says, except you become like this. Our attitude. Jesus was the anointed word for his day. He knew what he was there for. He didn't let Peter dissuade him one bit, one way or the other. No matter how much Peter took a hold of him and said, I'll never let them kill you, he didn't say, oh, if Peter's my buddy, I guess I probably shouldn't. No. He said, no, I know who I am. I know my place. I'm here, and my attitude towards the anointed word is that the anointed word has to be fulfilled. So what did Jesus speak? The word for his day. Why was he going around telling his disciples, they're going to kill me, but on the third day I'll raise again? Why was he going around telling people, tear this temple down in three days, I'll raise it up again? Why was he doing that? Why? Because that was the anointed word for his day, so that was what he was thinking on, and because that's what he was thinking on, that's what was coming out of his mouth. That was his profession because he knew this is what's to be fulfilled today. This is the anointed word for my day. This is what I have to do. Amen. And we find that... Brother Benham would even take it and take an uh, a, a antitype and talk about the Catholic nun and say a nun in the Catholic church, a woman that becomes a nun, she takes that last veil and she's absolutely sold out to that church. She has soul, body, and spirit property of that church. She has no mind of her own. She can't have. She just took her last veil, no mind of her own, no will of her own. She's out there, but Satan makes them his bogus like the truth. My, what a sad place to be in under such a control like that. But he says, but the true church of Christ, the bride, is so sold out to him and his promised word to the very mind that's in Christ is in you. What a difference. Not the mind of the church, but the mind of Christ comes down into you, which was what mind? What is my anointed word for today? What's God doing right now? That's what I need to be thinking on. That needs to be my thoughts he would say, and serves you, would she? Jesus said, a Roman would put a rag around his eyes and hit him and, hit, and a head, hit his head with a stick and say, prophesy or tell us who hit you. Prophesy now, prophesy. And God don't clown for nobody. He never opened his mouth. No, he never said a word. He didn't feel any virtue. But a woman that approached him right and touched his garment, she got virtue, she got desire. The other guy was condemned. He went to hell for it, no doubt. What's the difference? 
Think about it. One man, one or sorry, one woman just touched the hem of his garment, just maybe as 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 it's been displayed recently, just to kind of stumble through a crowd and just get a hold of the edge of his garment. But it was her attitude towards the anointed word for her day and she got what she was thinking about. It was on her mind. If I can get to Jesus, I'll be healed. If I can get to Jesus, I'll be healed. I've tried every doctor. I spent all my wealth. I spent everything. But her thoughts were one track. If I can just get to Jesus, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, this blood issue will be done with. That was just the hem of his garment. Another man that touched his flesh, got a hold of his beard, ripped parts of it out, slapped him, touched his skin, his head, right all around there. Didn't get a thing. The attitude was different. He says it was the attitude was the difference. What kind of an environment you create around you by your belief and unbelief. He and Brother Brown says, so get away from all your superstitions and create around you an environment. That's the difference. It's the environment that makes the difference. Hallelujah. And I want to bring this in here now if we still... All right, I still got time. Praise God. I feel like it's rolling away so fast. You with me? I know it's a Wednesday night and everybody's a little tired from work. Okay, I was watching somebody on the back camera. You know, they scan the audience. I can see who's. <sighs> but you're not like that now. Praise the Lord. God's promises are between you and Him. God's promises are between you and your pastor and Him. No. God's promises are between you. And him. They're between you and him. If it's Christ in you, we'll get there. Let me lay out a couple of attitudes here because Brother Branham would say the right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. But he doesn't say the positive attitude. He doesn't say the optimistic attitude. He doesn't say the pessimistic attitude. He doesn't say any of those things. He says the right attitude towards any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. And there's several attitudes that are displayed in the scripture in different places. And I'll say it this way. Meekness is an attitude. Humility is an attitude. Goodness is an attitude. The goodness of God being happy when God's using somebody else. That's an attitude. That takes a specific attitude. That's not just something you can just put on. When you're sitting there and you're watching God use somebody else and you're sitting on the sideline going, Lord, I feel like I'm doing nothing. I can't. No, the goodness of God is, thank you, Lord. You're using somebody. God still moves. It doesn't matter who it is. Use them, Lord Jesus. That's an attitude towards the divine promise of God. Meekness is an attitude. It's your attitude towards others. Humility, though, is your attitude towards yourself. No, no, your meekness is how you think about the word of God towards others. Or in other words, how does the word of God apply to how I treat you? Humility is how does the word of God apply to me in my life and how can I surrender to it and walk according to it? 
be in submission to the Word of God. So what is the right mental attitude then? Now, now there's many things, and I'll, I need to jump this for time. And it's, it's, I'll just jump to this. It's faith or doubt in your soul that dictates your attitude towards the Word of God. It's faith or doubt that will dictate what comes out. If you, if you doubt down there, you'll look at the Word of God and say, maybe for somebody else. Or I don't really think so. And that becomes an attitude where it doesn't no longer just apply to, well, this is for me and that's not for me, but you begin to take that attitude of doubt and you begin to look at it and say, well, no, I, I have just, and pretty soon you become pretty defeated. But if you take an attitude of faith, faith looks at it, faith has muscles, faith takes the word of God and it's not worried about what lays ahead. It says the word of God is yea and amen. Everything else is a lie. That's why Abraham was the father of faith. Why? He was looking at the unseen. And he thought 25 years before it ever came, the promised child's going to come. Sarah, praise God, just any day now. But 25 years later, the Bible records, in God's time. But faith didn't look at man's time. Faith looked at God's time and said, I want my thoughts to be ready and in line to receive the revelation when God gives the revelation in its season. Amen. Now we're getting somewhere. It's the right mental attitude in the thought life to bring into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ to obedience. Amen. And the things that you're thinking will affect your attitude towards others. It will. It doesn't matter. If you want to say all you can, Brother Andrew's a nice guy, he's a nice guy, he's a nice guy, but in your thoughts you're thinking, that guy's really loud and annoying and obnoxious. After the service, you're not going to be able to look me in the eye. Because that's how you're going to treat me is according to your thoughts. Not according to your words. According to your thoughts. Think about Moses for a minute, because in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, it would say, Now Moses was very meek above all the men that were upon the face of the earth. You know what my favorite thing about that scripture is? Moses wrote it. Hallelujah. Meekness is an attitude displayed perfectly by the Holy Spirit. It displayed itself in Moses, his attitude towards others. If you go, if you put up there, could you, do you have that projection put up there? Uh, Exodus chapter 32 and verse 9. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Thirty-two. Exodus 32, verse 9. There we go. Thank you, brother. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. And verse 10 says, And now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Now what had just happened? Moses was just up on the mountain. He'd come down with the Ten Commandments, and they were worshiping a golden calf. And beyond that, the man that he had appointed as high priest, as Aaron will be the high priest, he went and lied to Moses. Because he told Moses, oh, I just put the gold in the fire, and it just came out a golden calf. I mean, come on. Tell me that's not a preconceived thought. That he was thinking, what am I going to tell Moses when this comes down? Because he didn't want to do it. 
He didn't really, he, you go read the scripture, Exodus 32, 31, 30. He didn't really want to do it. He really wanted, he said, I don't think we should do this. But the people came against him and pushed him to do this because Aaron wasn't strong like Moses was strong. Aaron ended up going, okay, all right, let's do it. And he took, he said, get me all your gold, get me all your, get everything. And they put it in there and he fashioned it. And as he's fashioning a calf, it takes time to make a golden calf. I'm sure of that. Never done it myself, but I'm sure it takes time. And as they begin to make this thing, I'm sure he's thinking the whole time, what in the world am I going to tell Moses? He's not sitting there going, how long should the horns be? He's going, uh, uh, this is really going to be hard. When Moses comes down off that mountain, I know he's going to have some issues with it. This is Moses' brother, remember? He knew that Moses was hot-tempered. And I'm sure he's thinking within himself, I'm really going to get it this time. My pastor's going to come down and really give it to me on this one. It's probably good thoughts to just stop what you're doing. Maybe don't go any further down that road. But think about what God offered Moses. He says, I will make thee a great nation. What is he telling Moses? I'll make you Abraham. I'll take you and give you Abraham's place. You'll be the one that I'll raise up a great nation. But watch Moses' attitude. Because meekness is an attitude towards others. So this is Moses' attitude towards the people that lied to him, talked back to him, murmured to him, complained to him, all of these things. And Moses besought the Lord his God. and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Oh, praise be to God. And the next verse goes on and he says, Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out and slay them in the mountains to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Think about this for a moment. Moses was not born again. The Holy Spirit was not yet given. Atonement was not yet made. But he had his thoughts were so in tune with what God was doing in that day. He refused, even when the emotion of God said, I'll do something different. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm sure if Moses, because it was the spirit of Christ that anointed him to do this, Brother Branham would say, it was the spirit of Christ that come down and anointed him to stand in the breach for the people, to stand in the gap. To do these things and to stand there because there was an attitude that he had that could be receiving to that anointing. If his attitude wasn't right, the Spirit of Christ could not have come upon him and spoken those words. But because his attitude was right towards the other people and he was the meekest man above all the other men on the earth. He had the ability to receive this Spirit to say, Lord, I rebuke you. If Moses would have stopped for a minute and thought... Who do I think I am? This is God. He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. And sometimes we get that idea, don't we? And you know what? That's true. It's the word. He's sovereign. He can do what he wants. But I'm asking you, who are you? What's your attitude towards the word of God for you? Towards the anointed word. Would you stand there like Moses or would you take the deal? 
Oh, you're going to raise me up and make me greater than the pastor? Whew, praise God. Let's do it. Lord, me and you, we're, we're a two-man team. But no, he said, no, no, Lord, that's not my place. In the very next verse, he even goes on and he says, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He reminds the Lord of the seasons and says, Lord, that was their promise for them. You already fulfilled that. We're living in a different time now. This is a different season of the anointed word. This is deliverance. That was the patriarchs being born. Now we're in deliverance. We're going over into the promised land to actually possess it like you promised, Abraham. I don't want to go back to that. Think about it. I don't want to go back to when Brother Branham was here on earth. I don't want to go back to when the sea was here and they were just in the I age. We're living in the intelligence age. Jesus Christ himself coming down in the midst of the church. Let me ask you, what's your attitude towards that? Is it just, well, let me go back. I want to see the miracles. I need the prayer lines. I need all these altar calls. Or is it, Lord Jesus, make me more like you. Give me a heart that's filled with praise. Fill with meekness, fill with humility, an attitude towards the Word of God that says, Lord, that's me. Like Mary would come and say, be it unto me according to thy word. Oh, hallelujah. Keep your mind on Jesus Christ. Think about it. He's saying the world is falling apart. He says, look, form Christ before you in your mind. Look out there and see if you see Christ before you as you close your eyes. In other words, it's not physical. It's not some mental conception. It's not some magic. It's not something we're trying to work up in some mental conception. No. He says, take that and just put Christ, the anointed word, on your mind and let it be formed before you. And then he says, and then walk right into him. Say, Lord Jesus, here I am. You and I are going to be one. From this day on, I'll take every word that you've told me tonight. And he says, just stay there. Just keep staying there. If you stay tonight, tomorrow, the next day, just over and over praying and believing that God will fill you with his baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Take those words. Take the word of God that you've heard, that's been preached to you, that's been labored to you, that you've heard on the tapes. Put that on your mind. And just keep walking into it. How do I put the mind of Christ on? Just like that. Just take the tapes. And press play. Amen. And when the tape is done, go to church. And hear what the anointed ministry has to say about the tape that you press play on. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Try not to go down any rabbit holes tonight. Oh, my. What shall I do with this Jesus called the Christ? He says, it just pertained to getting the Holy Ghost. Brother Andrew, no, absolutely not. He says, now the people you see, it's your faith. It's never your feelings. How do I get healed, Brother Andrew? It's never your feelings. How do I get saved, Brother Andrew? It's never your feelings. If it's your feelings, you'll be just like Peter. One day I'm saved, the next day I'm not. The next special speaker comes and I'm born again. The next one comes and he preaches something I didn't like and now I'm just a sinner. And the next one comes and I'm born again. And the next one comes and I'm a sinner. A mental conception. A mental faith. It's got to go deeper than that. It's got to drop down into your heart. I believe I'm preaching to once tonight that it has dropped down. And he says, and that doesn't, he says, listen, he says, it, it's nothing. Your feelings has nothing to do with it. Whether it's so... 
If my hand isn't straight, all curled up. So that doesn't have one thing to do with it. My faith is that does it, is what does it. Right before us, we see the image of a perfect healed person by faith. You see, we could take this and we could break it down, and I'm, I'm not going to spend much time on it because the teacher's over here. But, but we could break it all down to five senses in your mind. Imaginations, memory, conscience, reasonings, affections. And we put all those things in there. How do I get Christ on my affections? Well, set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. What's a good use of my imagination? But God gave me this imagination. It just runs wild all the time. Yeah, there's a really good use for your imagination. Take that image of Christ. Put it before you and walk into it. You're sick tonight? Take that image of a perfectly healed person. Put it before you and have faith to walk into that image and say, this isn't me, that's me. Abraham was getting older and older by the minute, but he wasn't looking at his body going, uh-oh, it's getting to be impossible. No, he was looking at the promise and said, God's going to do it anyhow. It doesn't matter if I'm 100 or 200 or 300. It's just going to be a nice long life living in the presence of God because he said, therefore it will happen. His word is yeah and amen. It's not what you think. It's not how much you put in. You say, well, uh, I don't feel like it today. It's your faith. If you just keep your thoughts on it, when the season comes, when the time of God comes, the revelation of your healing will drop from your mind down into your heart, and it will come to pass. The revelation of your salvation will drop from your mind down to your heart, and it will come to pass. As long as you believe you're saved, you're saved. It's that simple. Hallelujah. There's not a great, wonderful fireworks going off. It's just, I believe the Lord Jesus died for my sins and I accept what he did. That's salvation. What about the new birth? I believe what he's saying today and I'm going to keep that before me till he recognizes my faith, my mental faith, and it drops down into my heart and becomes a reality where now it becomes God pushing out of me. And now I begin to say things like Isaiah. Oh, like all the prophets of old and the, the man of God that have gone on before where you're just thinking on the Lord day by day. Until one day, you begin to see Sister Allison walking in. Till one day you start talking about your dead loved ones that have gone on before. That you know are in glory and you say, wouldn't it be wonderful to see sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so. Wouldn't it? It just starts to come out of your mouth. Why are you saying that? Because it's something down here that begins to move back up into my mind. And I begin to put an image of a resurrection before me. And I begin to walk into that resurrection. As Brother Branham would talk about it, and I'm just way off my notes now, that's okay. Brother Branham would talk about it and say, what a resurrection that was. What was he talking about? The resurrection of 2,000 years ago when Christ was the first fruits that came out of the grave. And with him, all the dead saints that had gone on before began to rise up out of the grave. What ones were rising up? The ones that had the right attitude towards the resurrection. The ones that looked at it like Joseph when he was down there in Egypt and he said, don't leave my bones down here. Take me up because there's a resurrection coming. Like Jacob that said, don't bury me down here. Take me and bury me up with my fathers. Like Abraham that said, I won't let you give me the field. I'm buying it because this is where the resurrection's at. Like Job that said, although my skins were destroyed by flesh, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Why? He had a, uh, an attitude towards the resurrection that this is truth 
But then Brother Adam goes on, and this is Rising of the Sun, where he says, but what a resurrection this is. Oh, praise be to God. It didn't just end 2,000 years ago, but rather, there's another resurrection. What's a resurrection? It's to bring back to life. Those that were once alive in the mind of God, they died and they had to come into a world in order to make a choice to choose life. That now as they chose it, they begin to recognize and become quickened. If the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken, make alive your mortal body. Hallelujah, your mortal body. So it doesn't matter if you're still living when he comes or if you're dead. What a resurrection this is. Hallelujah. Oh, praise be to God. Keep your mind on him. Keep your mind on the word. He rose again. To do what? To bring a church to full maturity. To bring the bride of Christ. Oh my, hallelujah. I'm sure you see what I'm talking about. He says it was waved. Jesus Christ, the wave she waved over the people. The first time there was come forth for the bride aged. For a resurrection out of dark denominationalism. Will be a message that the full maturity of the word has turned back again in its full power. And being waved over a people by the same signs and wonders that she did back there. In other words, what's he talking about? The reality of the quotes. And Brother Branham would say, she's bone of his bone. She's flesh of his flesh. She is him coming back to reality again where it's no longer just my words. Because if your thoughts are constantly on Christ, your words won't be different. They will be Christ. Find the right quote here. There it is. Isn't the prophet said that? He said, Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be moved, and don't doubt, but believe that what you said will come to pass, you can have what you said. Let me just say it this way. Believing is not instantaneous. Believing is holding on until. Believing his word is holding on until it comes to pass. He'll bring it to pass in his time. When Isaiah prophesied it 700 years later, but he said California's going to sink. I don't know when, but in his time. If that's his will, It'll come to pass. Hallelujah. God, I love the fact of what people say in Brother Branham prophesied things that didn't come to pass. Tells me they don't believe the Bible. How could you? Because prophets of old prophesied things all the time. Didn't come to pass for hundreds of years. Some of it is still coming to pass. John went out there on the Isle of Patmos and he got the vision of the revelations. He began to write it and there's things in there talking about eternity. That theologians today are still trying to apply to us. This is happening today and we're going to look at it and we're going to see it. Relax. It doesn't make John a false prophet. It just means it's not the season for that yet. 
What season are we living in then? We're not living in the eye season. We're living in the intelligence season. We're living in the season where Christ himself has come down. Where the Bible says, in the midst of the church, receiving all the glory. Not a man receiving the glory. Him. He says in the Pergamian church age, in the church age book, he says, here's the secret of this. The word is in the bride. As it was in Mary. How much of it was in Mary? A double L. Doesn't matter how big it was. He was the word. All of it was right there in a little seed, in a fetus. And it grew a little bigger. It shot out an arm. It shot another arm, however a baby grows properly. And all these things begin to happen where it finally comes to fruition. And the word is birthed. You begin to think about it and go, that's amazing. But he's saying, just like it was then, the word is in the bride today. Now go ahead and put up your hand if you are the fullness of the bride. I hope all your hands are down. My hand's down. Now put up your hand if collectively you are the bride. Exactly. The fullness of the word is in the bride. I don't have the fullness of it in me. I don't have the fullness of it in my dad. But all the potentials are there. As much potential is in the one spoonful of the ocean is the same potential that's in the whole ocean. But the whole ocean is the whole bride brought together. When she recognizes who she is. So Brother Andrew, I thought I knew who I was and now I, I, just, I wasn't raptured. Yeah, because you're still waiting on your brother next to you. So keep those thoughts. Don't get discouraged. That's how the devil works. When you come to a revelation of, yeah, I'm starting to recognize, I'm starting to see it, praise God. We're moving forward. We're the bride of Christ. I'm flesh of his flesh. It's Christ in me. I've just been pondering on him day and night. Stay there. Don't, don't back down. Don't let the devil push you back and boo, boo, and try and get you to little yourself and say, no, no, you, you can't be that. You can't be that because it didn't happen. Speak the word. And in its season. God himself, the creator of heavens and earth, spoke his own thoughts, and it slowly materialized. Creation didn't go boom. If it was a big bang, wonderful. But man wasn't created in that. That was a different day. Light wasn't divided from darkness in that. That was a different day. God spoke, and he believed it. And he sat back, and he watched it. What's God doing today? He's in a bride. I believe we need to put these words on our lips. Jesus, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm not going to walk in this body any longer. This body ain't mine. I'm going to be raptured. This body is going to be changed in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye. All that hair you lost will come back again. Brother Brown, I was just reading it today in Presuming, where he says, there'll be no artificial teeth over there. You'll get your real teeth back. Hallelujah. There'll be no artificial limbs over there. 
you'll have a real limb. There'll be no hearing aids over there, no artificial hearing. You'll have your hearing back. So what's on your tongue? What's on your mind? What kind of thoughts? Are they coming into captivity? Into obedience? To the anointed word for your day? What's left to be fulfilled, Brother Andrew? What, what, what prophecies are left? It consists of four categories. Judgment. Well, that doesn't pertain to the bride. There's a white throne judgment. We're not going to be judged there. We're judged here. Tribulation. That doesn't pertain to the bride. We're going to be gone. Millennium. That pertains to the bride. That's coming soon. And eternity. That pertains to us too. And many others. And that's coming soon too. Well, a thousand years. Soon. So, what's left for us? 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. How many believe that? Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. With him. He's the first fruits. Oh. If he's here standing in our midst, if Christ is in his bride, who's coming with him? For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Brother Branham says he does all three as he descends. So when the fullness of Christ is in the bride, all will raise. Because if he's descended completely, then all three have happened. And one of them is raising the dead. So what ought to be on our minds? What's our attitude towards this scripture? Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. If you've got the word of the Lord, Brother Branham says in Micaiah the prophet, if you've got the word of the Lord and will speak the word of the Lord and don't doubt the word of the Lord, God will hold a council meeting to make your word come to pass. Because it's not your word, it's his word. It's his word, it's thus saith the Lord. If it's truly, thus saith the Lord. If you really are, if any man think himself to be Christ, let him consider himself in the anointed word for his day. If I'm truly in Christ, then my word is not mine, it's his. So I can speak the thoughts that I've been pondering on. Lord, when are you coming? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Bring back all the prodigals. Bring back my loved ones. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Lord, let it just constantly be on my mind that he's working and he's doing these things so that he can hold a council meeting in heaven and say, how am I going to bring Richard Drake's word to pass? 
Oh, praise be to God. How am I going to bring Tim Gertzen's word to pass? Because he's spoken something, and I want to make sure that I bring it to pass. It's important to me. Hallelujah. Your words are important to God. It's so much so that he put a little story in his Bible called Esther. And it was a type of Christ and the bride that when she would begin to come to him, Ahasuerus says, what would you have that I could do for you? Anything up to half my kingdom. Why? Because her word was important to the king. He cared what she wanted. He cared so much. He was willing to bankrupt his kingdom for it. God will bankrupt heaven to bring your word to pass because he cares about his bride that much. Oh, praise be to God. That ought to put you on your feet. I know it's a Wednesday night, but it doesn't matter how the flesh feels. We ought to look at the unseen and say, God, there's nothing more important to me than your word because it's not the seen that I'm looking at. It's the unseen, and all of heaven is behind my word. Oh, praise be to God. He's holding the council meeting and he'll use anything. Don't ever put a condition on God. Oh, don't ever put a condition on God. Brother Branham says that. I have a quote in here somewhere for that. Don't ever put a condition on God. He wanted to bring his word to pass so he knew that he, had, he would have his people sojourn in a strange land for 400 years. And he used 10 backslidden sons, jealous, and with an evil spirit on them to take their brother and throw him in a pit and sell him to, to traitors. I can't remember their nationality. Midianites, thank you. The Midianites traitors. And they come down and they sold him to Potiphar because God was going to bring his word to pass. And it would not return to him void. So he'll use anything. You say, what's these evil spirits doing? What's happening around us? What's with the LGB? What's with all these things going on? God will use evil spirits to bring his word to pass. He did it for Micaiah. He showed him, said, I seen a lying spirit come up before me and said, let me get down into them. And this lying spirit was so good at impersonating God, Zedekiah thought it was God. A prophet. Wow. Because God puts bits in trouble's mouth and makes it obey him. He uses it for his own good. There's a whole other scripture too. Micaiah is not the only one. It was Samson. When Samson was born, that God sought a, 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 a quarrel, really, with the Philistines. He was out looking to see how he could punish the Philistines' sin because they'd ruled over Israel now for 40 years. And he says, all right, time's up. It's time to deliver the people again. How am I going to bring this to pass? So he had a lust spirit come up before him and said, I know a guy named Samson. Samson, the man born under a Nazarite vow. But he never overcame lust. And he said, I can get in him and go down and I can convince him there's more beautiful girls out in the world. But you know what I'm going to do with that? I'm going to crush. Oh, my. We look at it and go, God, what do you think you're doing? You let my son go out here. You let my daughter go out here. Keep speaking the word. Keep that word ever upon your heart. I can imagine his parents thinking, Lord, what, what's going on here? He was born under a Nazarite vow. He's anointed to be a deliverer of the children of Israel. He's got all these things, and now he's out there with this Philistine girl. Lord, what's going on? Have you failed me? No. God never failed you. He's bringing his word to pass. 
He needed something to pick a fight with them, and he realized, I know exactly what to do. I got this demon called lust, and he can get down in there. Oh, if you're fighting with that demon tonight, let me tell you, God will use that for glorify himself. He did it for me, he'll do it for you. God delivered me from it 100% completely, and I bless his holy name. You know what it took for me? I had to get down one day in the shower and cry out to God. I say, Lord, I don't care if I'm not even attracted to my wife anymore. I can't have this thing anymore. <laughs> Gone. God can deliver you, young man. Amen. Married men. Think about it. Samson struggled with lust his whole life. This is for somebody, because I'm not in anywhere on my notes. Samson struggled with lust his whole life. He started out that way. In the end of his life, what was it that got him down there? Lust. Over Delilah. A match made in heaven. The strongest man, the most beautiful woman. Oh, hallelujah. The power couple. They're really going to be somebody. Everybody wants her, and he's just the big, strong, tough dude. This is the guy's man. Praise God. And God said, I'm going to... I'm going to make you kill more Philistines in your death than in your life. That's where lust will take you. That's why I say get on your knees before God and stay there and put the word of God on your mind. Every time Satan brings that evil thing, you just say, Satan, take that evil thing away from me. I'm going to put the word of God back on my mind. I am the Lord God that heals all thy sicknesses and diseases. And yes, lust is a sickness, a mental illness. That'll take over the minds of young men and young women and drive them to do things that's not natural or godly at all. Amen. Jesus, oh, think about this. I'm over time. Can I have 10 more minutes? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Jesus. <laughs> Hosea would, would, would prophesy in 780 BC, he would prophesy and say after two days, in the third day, he will revive us again. And give us light in his life in his sight. I'm just reading it from the prophet, so that may not be the exact words. But there's your trumpets coming in, Brother Branham says, and this is in recognize your day and its message. He says, That's the hour that we're living in, the day that we're living. Think about it this way: Jesus rose on the third day. Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise again on the third day. He didn't say in three days. On the third day. It was on the third day. Within three days, he rose again. It wasn't in the evening on the third day. It was resurrection morning that he rose again. Amen. He didn't wait right till the end. But Brother Branham goes on. He says, now we've been, they have been, the Israelites have been scattered. The Jews have been scattered, blinded, gathered, and are far into the third day. You see it? He said, they were scattered from Palestine throughout the world. They were blinded to reject the Messiah. And now they've been gathered into their homeland, ready for the trumpets to recognize the atonement. That was a long time ago now. We're overdue now. He says, as the Bible said, when they receive it and find him with the nail scars after the church is taken, and they say, where did you get these scars? He say, in the house of my friends. And he said, oh, they would separate each family. They would cry and weep for days like a family that's lost their own son. Remember, the Feast of Trumpets was to do that, to weep and mourn for the killed sacrifice that they had rejected. He said, they're in their land. They were scattered, blinded, and now gathered and it was all under the sixth seal. There's seven trumpets. I don't bring any lot in here right at the end, but just bear with me. It says, and gathered, to, sounded, sounded to gather them together, the sixth trumpet. And he says, and the, and the seventh is that great trumpet. 
As we had, we had last Sunday, the sixth trumpet sounded under the sixth seal. Just like our sixth seal opened everything at the same time, only theirs all sounded at once. What's he talking about? He's talking about times. There's a time. God has a timing for everything. And he's saying that there's certain things that are laying down and, and going into place, moving into place. There's a season happening right now that the pieces are being put into place for something to take place. And he says, now, he says, we've been 2,000 years in the Pentecostal feast. He says, now, 2,700 years since that time, he said, in the third day, we'll be gathered again. After two days, in the third day, we'll be gathered again to receive life in his sight. Do you see the promise? The hour perfectly wrote on the wall. We see where we are living. Now in the homeland, waiting for the Feast of Trumpets to recognize the atonement, the waiting on the coming to mourn the rejection. He says, they're in the homeland for that. What are they doing? They're just coming to the end of the Feast of Pentecost. Amen. They're coming to the end of that to, to give way to the next feast, to give way to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, to give way to these things, everything put into place. It's showing, and what I'm, I'm trying to get at is this showing that we're in a season and in its time, it will be fulfilled. And we need to be in our place to receive what God has for us. How do we get in our place? I'm not talking about Cloverdale Bible Way or End Time Message or Uganda or anywhere specific. In Jesus Christ. If any man think himself in Christ, let him consider the anointed word for his day. Am I truly in Christ? Am I ready for that time to be fulfilled? Because when each of us that's called and predestinated before the foundation of the world gets into our place, it'll happen. And there'll be a great catching away. So what ought to be our thoughts then? If I could leave you with this tonight. Our attitude towards the anointed word for our day ought to be, be it unto me according to thy word. Let me think no other thoughts. If we're going to think Jesus, we ought to speak Jesus. We say that again. If your thoughts are really on the Lord Jesus, your words, if the musicians come, really ought to be the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't look at all the things going on around today. Saints, I'm sorry I've kept you so long, but you're not of this world. You're not of Vancouver. You're of a heavenly kingdom. You have a heavenly king. A God that desires to have fellowship with his people. I desire it too, Brother Andrew. How do I do it? Keep him on your mind. Think on these things. If they be of a good report. If they be of any virtue. Think on these things. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. I had this song on my heart today. Maybe we'll sing it I, if I still have any voice left. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety. 
I just want to speak the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Were you blessed? Amen. I'll tell you, I was blessed. I was blessed. I don't care whether you were blessed or not. That could be all for me. I was blessed. Your attitude. You know, can I preach for half an hour? <laughs> there are some great thoughts there. There's, there's more there than you expected. Can I say that? Is that all right? I won't say there was more there than I, was, I expected. I came expecting. And I got what I expected. But you know, as Brother Andrew was preaching and I was listening, you know, that just the, the Roman candle began to go off in the mind as he began to say certain statements. You know, one time God had a prophet out in the, in the bush hunting squirrels. And he was just meditating on the atonement. Now you might think, well, he's just hunting. He's just thinking about the word. But he's thinking about the word for the day. And God wouldn't let him let go of that. He didn't understand it. That's, that's why I wanted to mention this tonight. He didn't understand it. There was something that God was trying to show him and he didn't understand it. See, sometimes God speaks something to you and it just goes over and over in your mind and you don't catch it. You're like, Lord, I don't really understand it. Keep thinking on it. And a prophet was there and kept thinking on it. You know, if you say to this mountain, he kept thinking on the scripture, if you say, because remember, Brother Andrew said, and like I said, I could preach for half an hour now, or an hour. He said, when you think on Christ, there will be a council in heaven to bring your words to pass. Because they're not your words, it's God's words. He was, of course, referring to Elijah. He didn't specifically say it. But God in heaven said, how shall we get the words of Elijah to be fulfilled concerning Ahab? God said, and that's when the lying spirit came up. So Brother Branham was sitting in the wilderness, pondering that. He says, I was always scared to preach on it. I didn't really understand it. How could somebody say, if you say, Jesus said, if you say, what does it matter what I say? I'm nothing. And he just kept pondering that from different angles. And then something spoke to him and said, that is in the atonement. See, he was thinking that was before the atonement, but it was in the atonement. Now, I just want you to, I don't want to preach to you, but I just want you to catch this thought. Brother Brown said, the, everything is in the atonement. And it's your attitude towards the atonement that brings those things to you. And what God was doing was changing his attitude towards the atonement. And what God is doing to us is changing our attitude towards the atonement. As we receive the word, as we ponder the word, as we are blessed to hear the word, because faith comes by hearing the word. And so as he sat there, and all of a sudden, he just began to think, no, that is in the atonement. He says, because Christ was the atonement. And he just began to ponder those things. And then God came down and said, you need squirrels. How many do you need? 
Now it wasn't just a thought, a doctrine, a mental faith. Now it was dropping down on the inside. You say, and whatever you say will come to pass. See, he was meditating on the word. God changed his attitude towards the atonement. And now he spoke what the atonement was saying. If you believe, you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and it will obey you. What an hour to be living in. What a message. The mind of Christ, the mighty God unveiled amongst us. So, oh, Brother Tim, I don't understand everything. That's not the important part. Whatever God puts in your mind, stay there. Meditate on those things. Get rid of the things of the world. And he didn't mention it, but I'll say it. Get rid of the social media. Get rid of the things that are bombarding your mind. And let the Word of God consume your thoughts until you hear the voice of God say, you say it. And you watch it come to pass. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I just want to sing. It's been on my mind all night, all my life. You have been faithful. Has he been faithful to you? He's been faithful to me. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. For your mercy never fails me.
Heavenly Father, we are blessed above all people, Lord. Lord, when you walked in flesh, in Jesus, the Christ in that day, you said to your disciples, blessed are your ears for they hear. Blessed are your eyes for they see. And Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I say, Lord, blessed are our eyes that we have seen these things. Blessed are our ears for we have heard things tonight that are eternal truths that are sent to quicken your elect and bring their thoughts into the very mind of Jesus Christ, that it might produce a living word coming from her lips. Every member of the bride speaking nothing but Christ revealed in this day. Lord, we thank you for your servant tonight. We appreciate how he labored. And Lord, you used him tonight to speak to us. And you led him, Lord, in different channels in the service. Lord, that somebody that you might speak, and I'm sure you did, Lord, individually to individuals tonight. Lord, may they, even as we heard last Wednesday night, may they not just hear the word, but may they receive it. May they embrace it. May, it, may, may they make it their own, oh God, that it might instill that faith in them that overcomes all things. Lord, we give ourselves to you afresh tonight, and we thank you for your word. It will not return void. Bless your servant. Restore his strength. And Lord, we pray you'd watch over those that will be traveling in now from their vacations and things during this spring break, some in the planes and cars and whatever. We thank you that you've given them rest, Lord. The pastor will be back home. and. Lord, we just pray that you'll watch over each and every one. Keep them safe, Lord, in their journeys until if we would meet together here or on the other side, whatever way you would have for us, Lord. We commit this service now to you, and we thank you for it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Do you love him? I tell you what, I love him. Every time I hear the word, I just love him more. God bless you. The service is dismissed. Shake hands with one another as you go. God bless you.